1: to This Is Why We're Like This, a podcast where we talk about morality, mortality, giant singing alligators, (laughs) and the movies that we watched in childhood that helped make us who we are today, for better or for worse. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pelton.
2: I'm your other host, Julia Rios.
1: And with us today is Britt Mitchell.
2: Hello.
3: (laughs) That's it. That's all I have.
1: Hi. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Britt is a uh, a local comedian in the improv scene. Uh Uh-huh. We've... Been on stage together
3: a couple times? We have uh, City Council, Mm -hmm. the time Mm -hmm. of our lives. I love, oh, it's so good. Not hyping up the
2: own show, but. (laughs) City Council is one of the best shows, I think, that's around. It's super fun. It's so much fun. I love doing it uh, whenever I get a chance
3: to.
1: And you're also uh, going to tell us a little bit about the Sheastory show.
3: Yes, uh, I'm in the Sheastory show, which uh, we are an all-female identifying Team, and we do a narrative based improv set uh, based on a woman history. We find out about and learn about that evening by a special guest. It's a lot of fun. Learned a lot about a lot of awesome women and uh, really,
2: really were accurately retelling their lives. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to explain City Council really quickly because I realize that people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. Nice. Uh, so that's a show that happens monthly at Improv Boston. And the conceit is that it is the city council meeting of a small town from New Hampshire, Matagunkscut, that can't have their meetings in their town because of various disasters, including the public library being haunted and yep. full of toxic mold. Um, so there's a lot of different things. Anyway, the, the meeting is full of five-minute presentations by citizens of the town who have signed up in advance, and the city council has to listen to what they have to say and then react to it. They have no idea what they're going to hear, and often they hear from people like Jeffrey and Britt. Yep. So it's really it's very fun. Uh, demons have been known to show up. The town mascot is a possum. There's there's many things that happen in Matagunk's gut.
1: One time I was two goblins inside of a raincoat. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
3: that was a good one. Uh, one time I was a person. I kind of done this character more than once. I'm an actor in the in the town. And I do local theater at a theater company. And one time I discovered that my uh, I was a descendant of Tennessee Williams. So I rewrote a play, a Tennessee <laughs> Williams <laughs> play, so about Mrs. Buttersworth. And I basically was on stage in a negligee. I ate a stick of butter and not ate it, but I took a bite of it and spit it out immediately because I realized it was a stick of butter. And I like just rubbed butter all over my face and my body. And uh, that's the type of comedy I do, everybody. So... We're on for a wild ride and you're going to find out a lot about me, who I am based on the film that was picked today.
1: <laughs> and the uh, the film we were watching today is All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh my god. So
3: tell us a little bit about your experience with it. So, when I was a child, I I got away with watching a lot and like, okay, yeah, like this movie was deemed a children's movie. In God's eyes? Question mark. I don't know, (laughs) and I don't know whose eyes this was a children's movie for. But this was probably my first taste of talking about death in a way that I understood it, and that I understood being like, "Oh, I won't be a thing anymore eventually." But I like, and I won't be able to talk to my friends or family. That sucks. That was really, but also like, what was really interesting about it was like. Oh, man, but it was hilarious. And, like, dogs and, like, you know... I used to watch this all the time at my aunt's house. Me and my uh, sister and my younger sister was, like, probably not born yet. But I have distinct memories of, like, reenacting, like, certain scenes and, like, pretending I was certain characters. And, like, this movie, like, really was one of those that really, like, made my imagination go. And for those who have seen it, you're like, holy crap, this person... Is weird, <laughs> cause man, the movie's dark. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. Um, now,
1: uh, Julia, had you seen this one before?
2: I am sure I saw this when it was new. I, th- I think I must have seen it in the theater, but I'm not actually sure. We didn't own oh, wow. it.
1: I think. I, I know I've seen. I know I'd seen it as a kid, and I, I had memories of it. Like I remembered the bit about the the, the, the the you can't keep a good dog down song. <gasps> that was yeah. one of my
3: favorite parts.
1: And. Every so often I would think about this like, hey, remember that movie where, like, the dog goes to heaven, then he steals his watch, and (laughs) then he's going to go to hell?
3: Yep. That's a,
2: what, what, wait, what? (laughs) You never go back, Charlie. I feel like we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in talking about what we remember. All right, so Britt sent us in
1: what she could remember of the movie, and it goes. I remember the plot is about this dog named Charlie, who gambled and had crappy morals. He dies and gets some sort of chance at redemption. The redemption involves making an orphan girl happy? Nope. I don't know. <laughs> I just remember that I wanted to be the girl so bad. Nope. Her black hair was cool. Mm-hmm. One
3: more thing I keep remembering is how amazing the food looked. It looks so good. Like, and we'll probably get into talking about this later about Don Bluth and his animation style, but, or just the food to me as a kid looks so good like one distinct memory i have is that i would pretend to make the waffles that were in that movie because those waffles in that old 1930s waffle maker looked heavenly
2: all right um all dogs get waffles all yeah do- all dogs do, do they get waffles in this no I don't only, think do. only only old uh, girl Amber does did.
1: If they want waffles.
2: Well, like, once they go to heaven, they can do anything they want. Oh, yeah, that's right. Forever. That random.
1: (laughs) Which apparently sucks.
2: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so that was the summary that you gave.
1: And Julia, could you tell us, um, run us down the bare bones of this plot?
2: Yeah, I'll attempt to do that. This movie is about a dog named Charlie who is a gambler and a no-good dog who starts out in the pound, but he breaks out. And then goes back to his gambling lair, which he had a partnership with a dog named Carface. And Carface (laughs) doesn't want to share 50-50 anymore. He thought that Charlie was on death row, and that was that, and he's good with that. So he makes his sidekick help him hatch a plan to kill Charlie, which they do by, like, getting him drunk, oh taking him God. to the end of a pier, blindfolding him, and then uh, running him over with a car that shoots him into the water so he drowns. So Hell he's yeah. he's both run over and drowned in a sort of cask of a Montiato scene where they first get him drunk. This is how the movie starts. <laughs> Literally the first scene is him
3: breaking out of the pound.
2: Then he's dead. He goes to heaven and he gets the pearly gates and another dog, who is a whippet, says, Hey, Welcome. And he's like, where am I? And she's like, this is the judgment room. And he's like, oh, no. And she says, it's okay. All dogs go to heaven. And that's fine. And then she tells him he can do whatever he wants and sings a song, at which point he wants to go back and have a gambling empire. So he steals the stopwatch of his life because she tells him he can't go back. The watch is run down. His time is out in this weird hall of clocks. By hall, I mean cloud-like <laughs> area of heaven <laughs> full of clocks. So he steals his, he puts it around his neck, he winds it back up, and as he's being sucked through a time vortex, she says, Charlie, you can never come back! So we now know that time is actually ticking for this dog, and once he dies, I guess he's going to go to hell, I'm not really clear. So he goes back down, and immediately takes over and starts doing gambling good he steals the little girl anne marie who is an orphan that carface has been keeping because she can talk to animals to tell him all of the animals that will win races so he wins bets oh my God. and then she thinks great i've got a dog best friend but actually she's just now being used by charlie instead of by carface which to charlie's credit he at least tries to keep her happy carface didn't bother with that So there's that. There's no indication how any of these animals actually, like, found this girl or found out that she could talk to animals or decided to use her or, I don't know, keep her alive. There's a lot that we don't know.
1: We know Uh, they feed her.
2: Yeah, they do (laughs) feed her.
1: feed the monster. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: So... Uh, So she's basically living this horrible existence. She has one outfit, it's in tatters. This all takes place in New Orleans, by the way, so at least it's not that cold. But it's New Orleans in
1: 1939. So our hearts are cold.
2: (laughs) Anyway, Charlie and his sidekick, who is a dachshund voiced by Dom DeLuise, take her out to the horse track so that she can tell them which horse will win. And uh the she says that she feels like they're using her just like Carface did, which they are, but they assure her no, they're doing this because they wanna help her find parents and get new clothes. Okay. But they'll need money for that. So she's like, All right, cool. And she talks to the horses and finds out that it's one horse's birthday and he's going to (laughs) win. This is like the worst horse ever that no one would ever clear to be on a racetrack, and honestly, probably would have been shot before this scene. (laughs) But
3: I forgot his name. It was
2: like the Grand Chahi. Oh, the Grand Chahi. Yes, the Grand Chahi. It's his birthday. He literally has like rotten teeth, and most of them have fallen out. And flies are buzzing around his carcass that is somehow still animate he doesn't actually run at all. He kind of stumbles along and the other horses have to actually push him across the finish line.
1: The only mercy is that he's he's too out of it to understand how yeah. degraded he is. A lot yeah. of horse tranquilizers.
2: Uh, yeah, or possibly he's just really dumb. Yeah, It's unclear. It, it was, you know, uh,
3: dated thing number 1,000. <laughs> he seemed... <laughs> he had some mental issues.
2: Yeah, that's possible. So... He wins. He's happy. He uh, blows his birthday noisemaker and he's wearing his birthday hat. And then Anne-Marie somehow gives him the ring of roses because that's a thing that happens. And great. They all have money, which is wonderful. Uh, They've stolen the money that they used to place the bet from a nice couple that Anne-Marie would like to be her parents But the dogs, of course, just use her to be a distraction so they can pick the pocket of the man and get his wallet. She doesn't realize this, and she thinks that they're going to find those people and try to make them be her parents, but this doesn't happen. Instead, they use her in a montage of winning lots of bets and establishing Charlie's Place, a better gambling establishment than the last place that he ran, which has even more fancy gambling and lots more times that he wins money. Eventually, Anne-Marie is upset. They buy her clothes to make her feel better. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she uh, goes off to find the Wallet family. And- yeah, because she found out that he <laughs> stole the
3: Wallet. And she's like, uh, you jerk.
2: Yeah, I think this is after she tells him they aren't doing anything good. And he says, yes, they are. He, in one scene, he reads her uh, bedtime story. And the book he's reading is War and Peace. But yep. he's actually just making up a story. And the story he's making up is Robin Hood. He tells her they were giving to the poor, like Robin Hood. So she's like, okay, well, I kind of want proof. So he takes her to a house where he has a girlfriend and, like, 50,000 puppies because that's how dogs work. (laughs) And uh, they've taken over, like, an old Victorian house that's kind of falling down. I thought it was a church. Oh, maybe it is a church. They take over a church that's kind of falling down. And he brings over a bunch of pizzas. Which and I like, think is child support, basically. He's like,
3: <laughs> that's what I, I think that was one of the realizations I had, uh, was that, oh my God, is he bringing pizza over as like a paying for child support kind of thing? <laughs> These <laughs> sure are all looks like it. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So the puppies are really excited to see him and eat pizza and they're all deprived all their lives and have bad role models. So they, of course, want to just like get as much pizza as they can for himself, which leads to a very terrible song about sharing oh my God. and how you should do that. And if you share, then you'll get more things, which is actually not true. If you share, you get less things. That's how sharing works. <laughs> um, so he's conning his children. <laughs> so anyway, everyone's happy. They've all got some amount of pizza Charlie has not had to pay out nearly as much as he has raked in and he's still got the aid of this little girl. But then she finds a stolen wallet and she goes to find the wallet family who she wants to be her parents. And when she goes there, they're like, where are your parents? And she's like, oh, I don't have any. <laughs> she, she goes to bring them back their wallet and they're like, we'll make you waffles. Do you have parents? Nope. Who do you live with? My dog. Oh, in the, in the dumpster, and they're like, "Um, okay." They're like, "We're gonna go talk at the sidebar. Sidebar. <laughs> uh, what are we gonna do?" Like, literally, they do that. <laughs> so she doesn't actually get to live with him right with them right then because the dogs find her and they take her home, and uh, then she gets sick at some point. Carface is trying to come after them. A ray gun? they, They get shot during, like, they get shot at a bunch, but Charlie doesn't die because he's still got his pocket watch and he's able to keep winding it and he's fine as long as that watch doesn't wind down. You can shoot him with a weird ray gun and he won't die. But then they fall down into the underground where there are like sewers and swamps and his watch falls off of his neck and this is very bad, oh no. And then a gator finds them, and the gator's going to eat them. But then Charlie screams, and he screams in a very high-pitched tone, which the gator finds beautiful. And then the gator is like, I'm going to sing to you, and we're going to v- sing together. And they float through the sewers and the bayou with this gator singing, because that's how that works. Yeah. Um, at some point, they also end up in peril in some other way and then Anne-Marie gets pneumonia and he's worried about taking her to the vet and then the other dog says that they don't actually have vets for children it's a doctor yeah but then he and Dom DeLuise's dog get into an argument where Dom DeLuise's dog is feeling sad that his best friend has forsaken him for a small urchin and he says that he never actually cared about the urchin with her it's just business with his friend he's actually friends which Anne-Marie overhears and is very (laughs) upset. Uh, Eventually, Anne-Marie does get to go live with the Wallet family, and Charlie uh, dies and goes to hell, sort of, but not really, and then comes back as a ghost to tell Anne-Marie that he's sorry because he didn't mean any of those things, and that he really wants her to be okay, and he's glad she has a home, and that his friend will stay with her. And then because he did that, he's redeemed himself and he's called back to heaven by the Whippet who tells him that like he gave his life for this child. So he's allowed to go to heaven now. And then a car and all of this also dies. He gets up to heaven, but he immediately steals his watch. And the Whippet's like, but you can never come back. And Charlie's like, he'll be back. And that's the end of the movie. Yep. As if somehow... Charlie now likes Carface. I'm very confused about that. But. Well, well, we'll get
1: into that when we discuss the, sort of the, I guess, the moral universe of this movie. Which uh, there are a, a lot of gray areas. Oh,
2: my God. There's so much. There's so much. Okay. So, uh, the can't remember, can't forget point. I th- feel like this is what we started to get into earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, first, we usually do... Uh,
2: oh, notable first. people. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I failed to, failed to do that. Okay, Jeffrey, go for it. What are your notable people? Um,
1: Well, one thing I found interesting was Burt Reynolds is Charlie B. Barkin. Oh, my God. And his dog girlfriend is Lonnie Anderson. Um, (laughs) And if you were alive and going to supermarkets in the late 80s, early 90s, Burt and Lonnie were a huge tabloid couple because they were both, you know, big, attractive stars. And then they got married and then they had a very acrimonious divorce. Apparently, they patched it up when they were both in their 70s.
2: I mean,
3: good for them.
1: Yeah.
2: At this point, they were married, though.
1: Oh yeah, because this is 1989. Uh, so I guess, I guess the film is set exactly 60 years in the past.
2: Uh, yeah,
3: and in the 30s, which I completely forgot about, which we'll get to.
1: Burt Reynolds. I don't have to tell you a lot about Burt Reynolds. Uh, if you're not familiar, just go up and go on YouTube and, and try, type in Archer Burt Reynolds, and you can watch H. John Benjamin. Uh, gush about all the things that Burt Reynolds has been in. Lonnie Anderson uh, was in a few things, including WKRP in Cincinnati, uh, and she did some movies with Burt. So Dom DeLuise was actually buddies with Burt Reynolds, and they were in movies together. Yep. And I mostly remember Dom DeLuise as the Ziploc guy. <laughs> yeah. But
3: he was also a comedian. I remember him just from Will Goes West, American Tale. Like, he's in a lot of Don Bluth movies yeah. because, like, they were buddies, too. Like, they were all... It was kind of like Adam Sant, like Happy Madison Productions mm-hmm. of animation. Just they were all buddies and they all just made movies together. Mm-hmm.
1: Another another <sighs> buddy of these guys uh, was Charles Nelson Reilly. Yes!
3: Who match played game. Killer.
1: Um, yeah, Match Game is, is what he's most yep. famous for. But he was also in Cannon, Cannonball Run, too, with Don and, and Burt. Oh,
2: my God. And Killer is Carface's sidekick. Yeah.
1: Carface himself is played by
3: uh, Vic Tabak.
2: Which was his last role.
3: Oh. Uh, do we want to talk about another person who had their last role? Oh, oh we will. I'll okay. leave that to Julia. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: But uh, uh, Vic was... He was Mellon in, in the show Alice in the movie Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. But I remember him from his start his turn in star trek where he was the gangster boss on gangster planet in a piece of the action the whippet angel was melba moore who uh was a multi-grammy and one tony winning uh singer and here was the one that that really surprised me king gator the the singing alligator <laughs> is ken page and he doesn't have a lot of movie credits but he's a big broadway guy. yep how big uh, he was Judy Dench in Cats in the original Broadway.
2: <laughs> that's his role officially. Judy yes. Dench. Yeah. yeah um, he, he was Old Deuteronomy. Which Old Deuteronomy. It, it's a big role in Cats. Also, mm-hmm. he was Oogie Boogie in the Nightmare right, Before Christmas. That so yeah, I that's forget. like his other big movie role that you've probably seen him. And in.
1: he's he he voiced Oogie Boogie in all official licensed <laughs> yeah.
3: spinoffs. Didn't he also officially voice the uh, movie version of um, of a uh, Little Shop of Horrors, the voice of the plant?
1: Oh wow, maybe.
3: I think he was also the voice of the plant, Little Shop Hors, Horrors, either on Broadway or.
2: That does sound like him. Now that you now that you mention it. So oh, yeah, man. so Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise were in like a ton of movies together. I think they had been in five movies together before they did this one. And an interesting thing about this one is that most of the time when you do an animated movie like this, everyone records their parts separately, but. Bert Reynolds and Dom DeLuise actually recorded in the booth together, and they ad libbed. They ad libbed a lot of the lines, and uh, apparently Don Bluth thought that they did such a good job that it was better than the actual script.
0: Oh my! What so,
2: you could
1: tell they were enjoying themselves. Yeah, so, they
2: were having fun. Uh, so that's that's a, apparently what happened with them, and apparently Vic Tabak and um, the Charles Nelson Reilly also recorded their lines together. So both sets of, like, dog duos were recording at the same time. Who was not recording with them was the voice of Anne-Marie, the little orphan. Oh, God. And she was Judith Barcy. She actually uh, had started acting at a really young age. And she was born in 1978. She started acting at, like, the age of four. Her mom was a, a stage mom-type person and got her into all kinds of commercials. I think she did over 70 of them. And uh, then she also got some movie roles and she was the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time and also was Anne-Marie in uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. And then there was some issues with uh, child abuse and her mother and father having a lot of marital strife and her mother getting into a restraining order against the father and then the father came back and did a murder suicide and killed both mom and daughter yeah so she died before the movie actually came out before either the land before time or all dogs go to heaven came out and supposedly in the in all dogs go to heaven the end credits song is dedicated to her but i watched through the entire credits and there's nowhere on screen that that appears So, like, they don't acknowledge in any of the credits to this movie that this girl has died or, say, like, in memory of her or dedicate anything to her officially in the titles, which I thought was really sad. Yeah. Like, extra sad on top of everything else sad.
3: Like, at least in the U.S. release of Kiki's Delivery Service, they're like, oh, in memory of Phil Hartman, because that Mm -hmm. came out when he voiced that after he was murdered. Uh, But anyway, talking
2: crocodiles. (laughs) uh yeah it's dark man it was it was rough and this so like especially because the movie is about like this sad girl who just really wants a nice life with nice parents and gets very sick and is at death's door but doesn't quite die in this movie and it's like wow she actually did die and the people who killed her were her parents that's terrible it's yeah (laughs) okay
0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: That's a phrase. Oh, man, I didn't put it like that.
2: Uh, So She was
1: also... um... You you might remember her from the land before time.
2: Yeah, Ducky. Yeah, ducky. I I mentioned. Oh, mine. you mentioned that. Sorry, yeah. I was. Yeah, no, so you bad. were looking up Ken Page, and you missed all of the Ducky. Parts. I
3: feel like a lot of people that will uh, that are listening to this uh, when they hear Ducky, they're like some people that know it will be like like literally like clutch their heart because yeah. they know what's coming. Yep, yep, yep. Because yep. I remember reading the. I was like, oh yeah, because I thought that for some reason because I had de- decades missed up. Uh, I thought that the voice of Charlie was Norm MacDonald. I'm like, is that Norm MacDonald? Because it kind of sounds like him in the beginning. And then I was like, no. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's Burt Reynolds. I forgot. And I was like, who played Anne-Marie? Oh, I know that name. Yeah. And uh, there's that
2: rabbit hole of sadness. Yeah, that's so it's very, very sad. Um really adds a depth to that movie.
1: <sighs> Ken Page was in the 2011 uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Debs. Oh,
2: Okay. So, as Audrey II, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Voice of Audrey II. All right, so um, the other notable thing that I have to say about this movie, I guess a couple of things. So, one, it's a, it's a Don Bluth production. And Don Bluth was an animator who occasionally worked for Disney, but also worked a lot on his own and for other independent companies, and started his own production company and teamed up with Steven Spielberg to do some hit movies like The Land Before the land before time that was a steelberg spielberg one i think it might not have been i don't know Um, american tale was the one i was yeah five goes west baby five goes west was not don bluth Uh, oh i still i still the first american tale was don bluth and um what else did he do secret of nim
3: um oh my god what's the movie there was like a movie where was thumble oh ferngully Umbelina, were those Don um, Bluth? I mean, similar animators. See, like, I
2: don't know if those were or weren't. I knew he did Anastasia. Yeah. So, like, that was a big hit for Wait, him in the last Wait, Don Bluth? Mm-hmm.
3: Don Bluth did Anastasia? Yeah. Well, I knew, like, because, I, I mean, you can tell by the, the animation and the facial expressions is very similar. Oh my like, God, Anastasia is,
2: like, one of my favorites of all time. Okay, with Spielberg they did do The Land Before Time together. So they did The, the Land Before Time and American Tale, but they didn't do Five Ghost West because they broke up. And he did do Thumbelina, he did A Troll in Central Park, Ugh. he did Rockadoodle, Rocked. he did The Pebble and the Penguin, and Anastasia. Who did the Page Master? Good question. Yeah, I remember that uh, it was it was Macaulay Culkin? That was Macaulay Culkin and a bunch of books. Yeah, it it's was, like was Macaulay Culkin books. and a bunch of
1: books. Don Bluth also did Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, which were very early video games, like big... Um, oh! They, they later ported them to <gasps> consoles, but they were essentially bad uh, FMV games, like you, you had to p- p- hit left or right or press sword button at the right time, oh. otherwise you died. Oh. But it was basically those things were connected by... Don Bluth style, like full on oh, yeah. animation videos. Oh it yeah! It was like visually, it was like literally nothing in the arcade. It was gameplay wise, it was terrible, but visually, it was really impressive. And yeah. It cost like a dollar a play, and you lasted fifteen seconds. It wasn't oh. ultimately well. It was it was worth it once or twice, but then you realize that it's kind of kind of a rip off.
2: Yeah. So he also did direct the two disney movies Pete's Dragon and The Rescuers um both very important in my life
3: <laughs> man so,
1: this guy's got a thing for
3: orphans oh the whole <laughs> thing about her being an orphan the fact that
1: he so, did but real Fern Gully yeah.
2: is not on his filmography so i'm well, guessing i'll just he did not do that he um, did not like the environment <laughs> i mean I've, i feel like that
3: came out in the 90s too and robin williams was the uh was fern gully like a
2: DreamWorks thing. Let me. Think. I don't know.
3: Definitely was twenty. It had to be 20th Century Fox, right? Like, because like 20th Century Fox had like that style of 2D animation. I mean, team up with like Don Bluth and Steven Spielberg and all the like. But oh, so wild! Just
2: this movie is so twisted. It was produced by Croyer Films, Bill Croyer. So interesting. Not anyone that I've ever heard of. It, so it's not a DreamWorks. It's not a just a random just ram dude yeah fascinating um Come make these films with me let's do this okay yeah so anyway we've kind of gotten in that rabbit hole but my main thing here was that spielberg and don bluth had teamed up to do the land before time and an american tale both of which were amazing hits and then they broke up, and Don Bluth moved his studio to Ireland, and so you get a lot of local Irish talent working on this movie for animation and stuff. Oh, and it's like completely different from the way that Spiel- Spielberg had done, because, like, for instance, Don Bluth always wanted to put some weird dark shit in, and Spielberg would be like, "Maybe that's a little too much," and so, <laughs> so they we went of, rogue. They'd kind of like bring bring him on back in. And when he was on his own, he was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go all in. Yeah. We'll make dogs gamble, kill each other. We'll call it All Dogs Go to Heaven, so people know it's about dead dogs to begin yeah, with." Yeah, this <laughs> is this proceeded like
3: just dark, dark. I and like I I was like, wow, like because you know I was actually as a kid really into a lot of dark sense of humor, and I was like, this movie really just kind of preceded my weird taste in life. Yeah,
2: so the other thing is that when we watched – when we watched Batteries Not Included, we had found out that the music was done by uh, James Horner, who was this amazing score person who had won an Oscar for Titanic and had been nominated for like – I think he won two Oscars and was nominated for eight. And he did the score for An American Tale and he wrote somewhere out there, Uh, co-wrote it with some people. Uh, But like – This is the kind of amazing music that we had. And he did the score for Batteries Not Included, which also had a pretty sweet score. It was one of the best things about that movie, to be honest. Uh, He did not write the music for this one. Oh, and you can tell. No. He's, like, not... This music was not
3: good. I was like, this is like if Sondheim were on, like, a real bad hangover and Bender, like, at the same time. Like, (laughs) God, like, there was a one point, like... When the the song In Heaven that he first sings, and it's just like a stream of consciousness of him talking, and she's like, no, 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 and I'm just like, what is happening?
1: There was definitely a lot of, you know, singing past each other in this.
3: Oh, God, it was just... And, and, like, and like, I, I I mentioned earlier that I was like, oh, you know, uh, Burt Reynolds' voice is not too bad. And you guys are like, we're, we're, when were you listening to this? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I was just trying to give a poor man credit. And obviously it's not
1: good. He could mostly carry a tune. Yeah. Um,
3: if the bucket
2: were, like, big enough to hold <laughs> with, like, two hands. Oh. Uh, well, like... <laughs> So the singing in this was not particularly amazing. It was also not the worst in the world. It was just kind of there. They got a different singing voice in for the little girl. I was just going to say, uh, I think the little girl was like a 16-year-old near woman the, singing. The little girl was sung by Lana Beeson. I don't know anything about her. I haven't actually looked into who she was. But uh, Anne-Marie's singing voice was Lana Beeson. Anne-Marie's speaking voice was Judith, Judith Barcy. Um, let me see if Lana Beeson turns up anything. You mentioned was, and I'm like, oh my God, did she die too? Is this just a cursed role? So she seems to still be alive. Thank that's, God. That's that curse is lifted. She's got an IMDB page. Oh, what she have done? Uh, let's see. She is known for He-Man. All that's good to heaven. Oh, the nineteen eighty five live action Alice in Wonderland only soundtrack. So I guess she's like singing on a lot of things.
1: Oh,
3: is that the
2: Alice in Wonderland with Carol Channing?
1: It might be. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. like through the look.
3: That was through the looking glass. um oh, that was dope.
1: That was scary.
3: <laughs> was fucking
1: Jabberwocky! Oh my god.
3: Uh, there was a lot of things that really freaked me out.
1: We'll probably have, at some point we'll have to do that, uh, an episode on that. I feel like yeah.
2: that one's definitely coming because I know that we've all yeah. seen it. Also, the Return to Oz, but we listen.
3: <laughs> that's that was actually like my third choice, but uh, that was like all dogs go to heaven. It's just it's it's to me, you know, mm-hmm. like nothing like you know gambling dogs and getting hit like getting dead. Like I loved gangster movies as a kid, and like this was one of my this was like a gangster movie for me. Like, I really was like, I I, I like this. Like, Carface, I loved Carface as a kid. <laughs> I thought he was insane. Like, my favorite part of the whole movie was him running, like, in that, like, he was, like, pretending he was driving a car. Oh, yeah, I like But it that. was, like, a, just a video playing back, and he had a prop car in front of it, and he was wearing, like, a little, like, riding cap and goggles with his big cigar, and he's, like... In the darkness and 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 killer, she's like boss, boss, and he's like, what do you mean you got away? It was like one of those like cut scenes where the like mob bosses like either like the getting fit for clothes mm-hmm. kind of scene where he's like talking shop, but he's doing something he likes to do, like 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 a king playing tennis or something kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, what a what a weird trope that I
2: identified as a. A modern woman. <laughs> so I feel like that segues really into the next yeah, bit. Yeah, memories. Oh. Um, yeah.
1: So it sounds like the Misterness the, the, was, my- was one of the big ones you remembered.
3: And uh the pizza. Oh my god, I always <laughs> the waffles and the pizza, the way they draw food and juice dripping. Oh yeah. Like I know it sounds like weird, but it was such a textural thing for me as a kid. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, every time I'd watch it, like, it would give me munchies. Like, I was just like, give this to me now. And that's why I would, like, play the waffles as a kid. And, like, uh, man, it's just real predecessor for me being a weird child. I mentioned that a lot. (laughs) But it's so, it it was, that's the distinct memories. And, honestly, that's, and, like, the fire pit part Mm -hmm. where they're, like, the main, like, boss scene where they're in, like, the barge in the middle of, like, the bayou swamp and it's like everything's the water set on fire as a kid i was like how could water be a set on fire Mm -hmm. and i was like because it's all oil because it's like an oil barge so science too guys it has everything
2: (laughs) (laughs) so what did you not remember
3: a lot of it clearly by my description i thought he was trying to redeem himself like i thought it was like you may go back no he stole his way To get back. So he could get revenge on the guy who killed him. Yeah, literally. It was like, I'm going to get, like, this is a revenge story. And then I was like, where does the orphan come in? And I forgot that the orphan could talk to animals.
2: Yeah. I I forgot, like, that whole plot. That would be, like, a big part of it because that's the kind of thing that you would base a kids' movie around. But that's just kind of a means to an end.
3: Yeah, it was just, like, (laughs) basically, all right, let's get this dirty, rotten scoundrels type plot in here (laughs) and really con our way to the top. With this girl's ability, and this girl's just like, I just want parents, and they're they're basically like, fuck you, let's go steal shit, like, let's go gamble, and it's so crazy. I kind of wondered watching
1: this time if they were kind of doing a paper moon. Mm. like trying to do that sort yeah. of thing like except in that one doesn't the girl isn't the girl just as, as gifted a con artist as as the guy and that's, yeah. that's part of the fun yeah
3: the, like the Anne-Marie's a total innocent and yeah I love Paperman. that's another good one I'm actually I'm actually kind of surprised that she like I know she's young but
1: at this point I would have expected her to be a little bit more street smart
3: she was yeah she was very she's very babyish
2: yeah I that's agree. something I don't remember I, I don't thought she was stronger I don't know how old she's supposed to be and I also don't know anything about what's supposed to have happened in her life. That's one thing I think about this
3: movie that really has a big giant hole in this film. I don't know if that had anything to do with the behind the scenes. of Like, mm, this person was murdered. So let me, like, this probably happened during film. And so, like, let's not, let's not really make her much of a solid character besides just the basics I want. And, like, no backstory, nothing. Where'd she come from? I don't know. Like. Dogs mm. found her. Yeah, the dogs. The dogs, my best friend. I live in a dump. And they're like, uh, okay. So.
1: <laughs> now, what are the things that you're going to always remember
3: now? Oh my God. How blatantly racist this film is, and how sexist, and how homophobic. And God, this movie does not survive time. I don't even think it survived the 80s when it was made in the 80s. That's how ridiculously crazy this film is, and just like how dark. How dark this movie is, man. We all know.
1: <laughs> See, I, I remembered it being dark, and I remembered a lot of the hell stuff because it's messed up. I remembered the "You Can't Keep a Good Dog Down" song, and I knew. Mm. I remembered there was something about he had to keep his his watch safe. I remembered almost nothing about Anne Marie, and really very little of the rest of it.
3: Yeah, I think, and like the 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 parts I distinctly won't forget that I've never forgotten was the end where he comes into the bedroom it's all red mm-hmm. and then all blue all suddenly and he's like bye like i got to go now like i believe really i remember that but i don't, i didn't remember the context like why is it red and you know where is he going like i'll i'll now never forget how he died Yeah. <laughs> Like in this like literally like picture this like comedic style ramp of a boardwalk, and he's like drunken like he's hammered like very rasputin like like they get him super drunk at the end of the pier, and they have this like old like jalopy, and it zooms down the ramp and just smacks him and hits him in the water, and he did.
1: There are a few things I'm definitely going to remember going forward. One of them is that pound at the beginning that is essentially a a maximum security POW camp. (laughs) Yes. Where the guards shoot to kill immediately. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, I'm going to remember one of the... There there were a couple decent jokes. My favorite was that... um, when, they, when they're having the rat races at the beginning, uh, one of the rats is Secretary Rat. Yep. And I th- all right, all right, that's a
3: good one. There's some hidden gems in this one. There's some hidden gems.
1: Um, the weird sort of large criminal animal racing infrastructure <laughs> that New Orleans in 1939 seems to have
3: like kangaroos punching <laughs> each other in a boxing ring, turtle races frogs
1: frogs just everything
3: they raced every animal the american new orleans in 1939 was it it was all games go like that place must have been fucking lit uh new orleans, well i mean the beginning of the movie they go to mardi gras like mardi gras is happening so you know a lot of debauchery in this film mm-hmm. another thing i'm going to remember is what an absolute shit charlie the dog is just he, the worst he like i almost say the worst human the worst dog like no redemption. I was like, there is, they literally force such an arc on him. I mean, from the very beginning, he's like,
1: yeah, I like gambling. And, and it, when he goes to heaven, she, the, the Whippet opens the book. And I, I paused so I could type out what, what is written in the book under Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, a bad dog, gambler, pickpocketer, and low life bum. Dirty double crosser, greedy, greedy lust for money, blackmail, loan shark, tax fraud, extortion, racketeer. Jaded, heedless, wanton, decadence, vanity and conceit, (laughs) infidelity, scoundrel.
3: This is all in there? (laughs) Yes. I thought it was literally just like, bad dog. I never read into it. That's amazing. And there was an Easter egg
1: there. His parents are listed as Charlie. uh, He's Charlie B. Barkin. uh, And later in the movie, Women Be Shoppin'. 'Cause literally they took it and anyway. Um, but That's his right. his his father was Bert R. Barkin and his mother is Lor- uh, Lonnie A. Bowser. Oh
3: my god. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. an Easter egg. There was a hidden Mickey in this too in one of the clocks. You see Mickey Mouse, by the way. Wow. Yep. I saw that and I was like, ha
1: And I think <laughs> the other thing I'm gonna remember is that scene where the three of them are in the, the trench coat and Mwah. <gasps> that was adorable.
3: Oh uh, Italian kiss mwah. Just that scene, and she's
1: she's trying to be uh, act like a man. Like it's his, but birth- it's, it's his birthday. birthday.
2: So like that scene is where they're at the horse track, and they've got Amory, and they're telling her to go make the bet because she has a human face. So they do the, the like three raccoons in a trench coat, except it's two dogs and a tiny girl in a trench with coat with a mustache. It really works. And they sort of like tumble over to the window, and she's like. I'd like to place uh, this money on Grand Shahi to win, and they're like, "Do you know something I don't know and she gets really excited, and she's like, It's his birthday uh it's his birthday it's just really so good really that that
3: that trope for those who are very familiar with like little rascals and and the like just it's a great like two three children or whatever like disguise a trench coat. you can never go wrong because everyone's so fooled. Like, 1939 New Orleans is not really paying attention to this this giant freak of a person in a weird, bumpy trench coat. They're focusing on the fact that they don't have money to pay and that their family is just drinking themselves to death. That's where I'm thinking. And in, I feel like this, this that scene mentality. also is
1: where they gave, gave Anne-Marie the most personality.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, I would argue that Anne-Marie actually does have personality. but
1: Well, yeah, but I mean— it- She's she's kind of reduced to a couple of wants most of the time, and and in, they let her shine a little bit in that scene.
3: Yeah, I mean she stands up for like herself for like two seconds, and then she's like
2: dresses, <laughs> parents. I was like, Yeah, that sounds like me as a kid. <laughs> so for the things that I remembered about this movie, I definitely actually the main thing I remembered was Anne Marie. Oh, um which is weird, because like you both are like i remembered all this other stuff no memory of the child i'm like the weird thing is like when i tried to think about this movie ahead of time i couldn't remember any of the dog's names and i was like it has an orphan and i agreed with you like the black hair was definitely cool oh the haircut if you notice the back it's like buzz i was was like like, was her name Anne marie and it was and i was like huh cool um but that said like i still didn't remember much about this movie i thought that there probably was pizza in it and i was right I thought it was going to be set in modern times. I realized that I was also mixing it up with Oliver and Company because I was kind of expecting Fagin to show up. Because mm. um, I remember that there was a car and a bad guy. There is a car and a bad guy, but the car belongs to a dog named Carface, <laughs> not a guy named
3: Fagin. Um, really uh, loose interpretation of Scarface, if you will, <laughs> minus Miami
2: and cocaine. And like when I first started watching it, I was like, is Fagin going to show up? And I'm like, no, that was an Oliver and Company, which I just watched a couple of years ago. Since, for the first time since I was a child. So like, I know that that's actually that. And that makes sense because Oliver and Company is a retelling of Oliver Twist. So Fagin is a character in Oliver Twist. That doesn't exist in this, probably. But I still, every time I try to think of like, what might happen next, I was like, no, I'm going to Oliver and Company again. So I didn't, like, even though I saw this as a child, and I'm sure I saw it, I didn't remember most of it. Now what will I remember f- from now on? Uh it's dark as hell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: like, it's it's got yeah. so much darkness. The dogs are just terrible. All the dogs in this are basically terrible. Itchy's okay. Um
1: itchy. Well,
2: no, itchy's itchy itchy's of a itchy, yeah. terrible. Itchy like Itchy is the reason Charlie is like, I don't even like her in the in the first place. And at that point, like that's when Anne Marie gets really upset, and that's when she has her, uh, her, her mean girls moment where like Janice Ian tells Katie she's a mean girl, yep. and she's like, "You're a bad dog," and that's like the worst low blow. Oh yeah, Charlie like, is Charlie is feeling it. You're a
3: virgin who can't drive, <laughs> yep, yep. and then like she runs out, and then she gets like kidnapped,
2: uh,
1: like,
3: by
2: Carface
1: yep. and
3: the, uh, that's the peril uh, part.
1: Itchy's, Itchy's, Itchy's not a great dog either, but. A lot of the things he says, you know, he's right. Charlie should be running away and not trying to get revenge. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, like I'm not saying that Itchy isn't right about some things, but he's not a good dog. Yeah, he, you wouldn't call him good. No. no. Like he is not. He He. doesn't have a one-way
3: ticket to Heaventown. I mean, they, oh, all, they all do. do. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. All dogs go to heaven. Duh. All dogs, no matter how terrible they are, they all go to heaven. Oh, yeah. Doesn't, like, the Whippet, like, her saying, she's like, oh, all dogs go because they're loyal and nice, unlike humans. I was like, wow, what a real
2: stab at humanity, Don Bluth. (laughs) Yeah. All dogs are loyal and good and unlike humans. And then she's, like, looking at the book, she's like, I'm having a hard time finding good stuff here, but I'm sure it exists. Oh, man. It's It's like, no, it does not.
3: Eventually it comes around, he has his he has his moment of redemption when he's like, Well, I'm dead, uh, you you know, I sacrificed myself for you, I guess, and sh- she's like, I love you I get like as a kid I really believed it. I don't think I cried at this movie. I don't think anything actually scared me, which we'll get to later, but like I just I think I was like, Wow, this movie really set me up for success, I guess, in terms of like like deep dark narrative really exploring <laughs> humanity through a gambling dog dying in a mob hit.
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, this this idea that children's stories should be, should be nice is historically pretty recent. Don
3: Bluth literally was like, fuck you, Disney. I want to go dark. And then was eventually like, fuck you, Spielberg. I'm going to Ireland and I'm going to do a movie about dead dogs.
1: We're going to make this, I would say he is grimmer in both the Yeah. And
0: the two M's than than Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere
1: I don't know if I like that or not.
2: I like it. I love <laughs> it, in
1: fact. <laughs> like, like as an adult, I like it, but...
2: I didn't like this movie, though. I mean... I'm, oh, no, this movie was like, Yeah, it's a I, hot I don't, steaming pile of garbage. I think that, like, sometimes dark things can work. Certainly, The Land Before Time is not exactly all sunshine and roses, either. Well, I mean, and, you know, dinosaurs being wiped out. And,
1: and, and, yeah, and American Tales starts out with the pogrom,
2: so... Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's not bad to necessarily explore dark things, But this movie just didn't, it didn't work for me at all. Um, That said, something that I think is interesting about Don Bluth is that apparently he grew up in Salt Lake City and was a Mormon missionary for a couple of years. Like did the the church thing, did the whole thing. Uh And then went back and got a degree from Brigham Young University. And I'm unclear on whether he's still actually is Mormon. But oh like Oh my God, that's insane. But like I would not have guessed that based on this movie.
3: Yeah, this movie really uh this movie has a lot of uh let's say um debaucherous themes. <laughs> yeah. Like literally like, there's like a hooker dog was like, Hey Charlie, what's going on? And I'm just like she's got rouge.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's very like and I guess all of those things are bad but it's one of those movies that doesn't actually make those things seem like they're the bad things. Like it's all stuff that Charlie is having a good time doing. Yeah. And I don't really feel like it does a good job of telling you that this is not the way to live.
3: Uh, yeah, this movie's like it like the only, the like the literally the first sign you get of being like hmm, the things you're doing are not the Greatest things is when he's actually in heaven, and she's like, no, not really great things. You know, eventually you'll get in, it's fine. But yeah, this movie really the it does not set like as an adult and as knowing, like being a person, you're like, oh, Charlie's a terrible, has terrible morals, and like all these people are terrible, and like how they treat Anne Marie is terrible. Yep. And but as a kid, you're like, oh. Okay, like, that, that's why, like, when I was a kid I would, like, pretend to play gambling and I would, like, pretend to, like, drink whiskey in a rock and I didn't actually drink whiskey. It was brisk ice tea, everybody. <laughs> Don't worry. My parents did not let me have whiskey. Disclaimer over. It's just, yeah, it's wild. Really, like, the Wild West of children's film. <laughs>
1: so the next the next thing we do is is what's today's lesson. So... <laughs> Movies try to teach a moral, and whether they try to or not, they always teach us some lesson. Um, were there any overt lessons that you got from this movie? And um, I think you've already touched on some of the. Uh, I
3: yep. Listen, it, it's the it's the nineteen thirties. You're gonna die. Like at least like try and go get revenge or something. Like doesn't matter how bad you are, you'll eventually get it. You're eventually gonna die, so it doesn't matter. Do what you want. YOLO. I mean, that's what I got from as adult. <laughs> this movie literally was like YOLO, the film. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, life, life is short and cheap in this movie. Yeah. Oh, cheap is a good word. There were, there were a few lessons I got.
2: All right. What'd you um, get, Jeffrey? Yeah. Tell us.
1: Well, first of all, there's the, there's the theological question. <laughs> and I think we can look at this two ways. Um. And it really depends on whether we answer the question, Do all dogs really go to heaven? Because at first it seems like this is sort of a deterministic Calvinistic universe, you know, that, that, that dogs don't really have any sort of moral agency. They are, they are born and they, and they die and then they go to heaven and, and that's that. Um, but Charlie's able to cheat the system. And, but we have to wonder, or is he? Is this already a foreseen part of his spiritual growth that's sort of in the cards from the beginning. What I find really interesting is that the first time we see Doggy Hell, it's a dream, but when he dies, we see Doggy Satan
3: rise up In you the freaking neighborhood of New Orleans, of like his soul. anyone else noticing this, or is this just a thing that's visible to the audience? Is this dramatic irony? Like, so there's
1: when- there's a doggy Satan and a doggy hell that is empty of dogs because all dogs go to heaven, like except what- Charlie, apparently. <laughs> except Charlie. But then he does.
2: I I think that um, that Satan is just Satan, and it, he's taking the form of the soul he's coming to collect. Oh. I also think that nobody can see it except for Charlie because Charlie's the one who's dead. Do you think Anne-Marie can see it because she can talk to animals? Do you think she can see it it's too? It's possible she would be able to, but I'm not clear on that. Like, I think that she's able to, well, I'm actually not even clear on that. I'm not clear whether she's able to see Charlie's ghost when he comes to her That's bedside right. and he's talking to her. Like, she's asleep and I'm unclear whether she's even able to see or hear any of the stuff that he says. Well, does she, she sleep- hug him and stuff? she maybe she does yeah
3: she's like i love you charlie i'll miss oh, you and she yeah, so watch yeah
2: the, i guess she? i guess he yep. does tell her so maybe she can see everything cuz she has like special magic vision but like it all tells i you think to. i think mostly nobody else can see that i think like the idea is that when satan comes for you or when god comes for you you're not it's not something everybody else can see it's something that you the person being harvested can see mm-hmm.
1: So this this so you think this is just regular Satan?
2: I think it's regular Satan taking the form of a dog for like, this all right. specific case. I finally
1: have, Maybe Satan is so mean because he doesn't have a doggo. <laughs> it's Satan like finally have a doggo. Finally I'm gonna have a doggy friend. We're gonna hang out and I'm gonna throw him a ball and we're gonna take walks and he's gonna be my best friend. And then this whippet comes and says, No, nah, this one's ours too. It's like, ah, yeah. dang it.
3: He gave his life. We he,
1: he, he dibs. Which is so I guess I'm coming down between some dogs exist in some sort of crossover between Calvinism and and, uh, and universalism. Because yeah. because all, all dogs are saved, but all dogs also go through a sort of a predetermined judgment. Judgment.
2: Yeah, I think in a that's pile true. of clocks
3: and
1: Which sky. I mean it's good because for a while there it looked like Charlie out of all dogs ever was solely created to be damned. Which is a which is a rough which is yeah. a rough go. Dante's
3: inferno, and and Dante's. I
1: say I say all this was predetermined because the Whippet makes a point of how all of this is written and all of its you know the 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 time is out of your timer, so that's it. Yeah. Um, and one of Charlie's complaints about heaven, when he's been there for all of two seconds, yeah. is that there are no surprises.
2: So like. The Whippet, though, you have to realize is a lower-level worker. She's dealing with the scripts that she's been given. She doesn't have CEO power. She's the the person that you meet when you call Apple customer service, right? Yeah. So she's just like, well, you got your – this is the watch, and that's it, and it ran down, so you're done. That's all. I'm sorry. I don't have any power to change that, and if you do, I can't – I have to follow the rules. You can't come back because – you will have taken your watch out of heaven. And and so that's how heaven works. But God has CEO power, so he can just decide that Charlie can come back because he's been redeemed. And then he can tell the customer service rep, Angel Whippet, (laughs) hey, it's okay. You can go ahead and process a refund on this one and let him back into heaven.
1: I like to think that behind the scenes, uh, the Angel Whippet is sort of filling out the forms to escalate this situation to her manager. And all throughout the story, you know, successive layers of dogs are...
2: And why does she care, though? Well, like he, he
3: hits on her and he dances with her and she's oh, yeah. she's pretty seduced because she Charlie is horny sucks. As hell for Charlie. <sighs> yeah, straight up. Why Everyone does anyone
2: Charlie? want Charlie? He's not even an attractive dog.
3: It's a 70s, well, as it was the 80s when they made it, so it's
2: bad guys are I attractive. Think,
1: I think we are intended to read Burt Reynolds' sexuality into Charlie.
2: Yeah, but have Which, you looked at the dog? Have you looked at his animation? Have oh, you looked at terrible! His snout—he looks like, like who wants that a German
3: Shepherd that's been hit with a shovel a couple times? It's—it's it's
2: not good. Yeah, Carface is a much more attractive dog, and I don't want him either. Oh, Carface is like that cigar smoke. Oh, the cigar smoke is terrible, but like just for dog looks, you know, if you take him apart from his personality, yeah, it's.
3: I think Itchy's more adorable. Itchy's <laughs> adorable.
2: Itchy is is he's a dachshund,
3: so he's yeah. cute. Yeah, he's got a little hat and a little tank top, dressed yeah. like a uh, fifty first dates. What was that the brother's name? He had like the tank top on. That's what I always like. That was a connection I made. You know, obviously as a kid that didn't come up, but I was like, oh yeah, kind of reminds me of the fifty first date brother.
1: There's one. There's one more lesson that that
3: um, yeah. Uh,
0: much sure.
1: like Scarface had his sort of fundamental philosophy in life, Carface teaches us. First you get the casino, then you get the human who can talk to animals, then you get the car. <laughs> wow, it's not as it's <laughs> not as as brisk or catchy as Scarface's version, but I think it's just as true.
3: Yeah, it's really it's, this movie really just uh, the the abuse of this poor Orvin girl in this movie by like everyone she comes in contact with except for the waffle parents. <laughs>
0: Waffle parents waffle are.
3: Parents
2: waffle are, parents are very nice. <laughs> They're responsible adults who want to help a child. All right, so things I learned from this movie: um, I learned that it is perfectly fine to be an aging horse with rotting teeth and flies buzzing around it, because if it's your birthday, you will still win.
3: Yep, that was a good. Thing. If your birthday, if it's your, your birthday,
2: you deserve to win. That's a, th- a lesson I learned from this. If you are a terrible person, it doesn't really matter because you still get to go to heaven, so you might as well just do whatever you want. If you're a dog. If you're a dog, yeah. I guess if you're a person, you might go to hell, but if you're a dog, do whatever you want. However, like, let's be honest. When when I'm looking at this, what I'm seeing is bad behavior doesn't matter. You still get to go to heaven. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You're still going to get to go to heaven. I learned that if you're ever in mortal danger the best thing to do is scream operatically yep. because then you will not get killed you will get kept as a singing pet
3: that that crocodile for me if we get the chance to discuss that crocodile Please. because he went from being like the whole first of all that whole scene is like that that like racist voodoo like yeah. the mice are clearly oh, tribal yeah. and I was like I did not remember this and, and the then, crocodile shows up with a bone in his nose oh yeah. my oh, god no. and I was like uh, yeah I literally the oh no went into all caps for me at that point and then they take another turn they go completely homophobic cause he just turns into this big boisterous singing like I'm gonna keep you I love you we're gonna sing together he mentions fr- friendship later on which I'm like okay they yeah. into that <laughs> there he's so like, they weren't like this is like, not a love thing
2: i could never kill that beautiful tongue. he was
3: like hitting on him and he was, like, he's like singing with them and like oh man i was just like what a turn and like what a turn for the worse
1: my note on that is what the shit is going on <laughs> with this alligator
2: yeah my note on this is that this alligator seems to be like if you've ever seen the Disney Frog Prince. Yeah, and that also was great. It if was you've great. ever seen Moana and you can see this the shiny song. Yes. Oh, yeah, right? It's a combination of both of those ideas, but done. In the worst possible way on both of them. It's like a sh- it's like a shitty oogie boogie <laughs> yes, kind of thing. It's yes. like that soulful
3: like that soulful like villain, but not a villain. Like oh, you can like this person like vibe, and it's just like they. It,
2: I I don't have much words except for what. Well, it's also really interesting from a race perspective that this takes place in New Orleans in 1939. And we don't see any black people. It is the
1: whitest Normans I've ever seen. White people.
2: Shooketh. And but like
3: but the here's the thing that I like if we're gonna take this another level, all the interpretations of different race come from the animals. Yep, it mm-hmm. like with the with the voodoo rats and then uh the the crocodile and the dogs even have like different races like you notice there's a mildly mexican chihuahua oh, yeah. in the casinos in the beginning
2: oh boy yeah and that that chihuahua is like poor and is doesn't have yeah like, he's like i want my money like yeah, he's exactly. like exactly
1: and then there's the part where they're asking what kind of dog charlie is and, so, and he's are you you know any Siamese and.
3: Yeah, the, the song where he's singing about uh, all the races? Oh, my God. And they go uh, yeah. full-on Tokyo Kid with uh, uh, He's got, like, the teeth oh and everything. Man. And I literally Ooh. was like... Yeah. I paused it. Th- and I was like, notes, 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 notes. And continue. Oh, and pr- pause, process, process, and continue.
2: Yeah, there's also a couple of jokes in there. There's one point where they're talking about the Himalayas. And uh, Itchy says they got a town there. They even got a town there called Tibet. You know. Tibet, Which... <sighs> There's so many things wrong with that at all. Um, Another joke that was in this, which is not really racist, but did like make me stop, roll my eyes and take note of it was when he takes Anne-Marie to his children's house with a bunch of pizzas. He's like, yeah, we'll go here. These people are really poor. They're broker than the Ten Commandments. Yeah. A little joke. (laughs) yes oh my
3: god that was probably an improvised thing too and don blues is like keep it <laughs> like in the booth i love, love it, it. <laughs> i love it i will say that smoking is bad and smoking is only done every dog villain. smoked in this movie every dog like in the beginning of the casino they all had
2: cigars cigarettes but Carface is the one who smokes really and that is uh like the one that's called attention to and he's a villain and everyone feels the need to tell him that it's terrible they do, yeah. Like, so I feel like that's a very 80s thing because it's just say no territory. Oh, like, yeah. You, you have a lot of smoking, but it's always called out as, like, this is terrible and it will kill you. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. But the, you could see in the casino scene some of the, like, side character drawn dogs have cigarettes and are smoking.
2: Yeah. Well, casino is not a moral place. No. I mean, this bad movie thing, does like claim to have a heart of morality. And the moral center of it is Anne-Marie, who I... I don't agree that she doesn't have a personality because we do see her from the very beginning. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of power, but she yeah. does have a personality. So Carface like She's tells cute. her that if she wants to go outside first, she has to talk to the mice and find out which one's going to win the race. So she talks to the mouse, and she immediately has like a full-on conversation with the mm. mouse. She knows what Carface wants to know, but she doesn't ask who's going to win the race first. She asks, how's your family? How's everyone doing? Oh, this person's sick. Well, they shouldn't be racing. No, oh, they should get some soup. Oh, she's yeah. a sweet oh, kid. Oh, she's yeah, yeah, she is. So I she, would yeah. definitely
1: adopt Anne
2: Marie. Well, like, but I'm saying she Maybe. has a personality and she has mm-hmm. she has agency to actually do things that she wants, which are like have treat the other animals that she's talking to like people and give them respect and actually want to know about their lives. And she's going to do that even though. Like she could just be like, "Who's going to win the race? Tell me, because Carface wants to know." But she doesn't do that. No, um, she is, she, is. she she also talks to the horses, and she's very excited like to find out that it's the grandchild's birthday. Um, and she's really sickly sweet and like into praying and stuff. I don't know how she's learned all of this, but like she does, she wants to sleep with Charlie. So maybe she, she ran
1: away from a from a church orphanage. Like maybe probably. she's always been an orphan.
2: Maybe, but, like, why would she have run away? Or maybe she got lost. Too many plot holes.
3: Like, I think I feel like this movie could have at least been a little bit elevated if she had more of a backstory and more. I feel like, yes, she was super sweet and she did have a personality. I will say, yeah, she definitely did have a personality. I didn't mean to say she didn't, but I feel like there's such a no, lack of depth there's,
2: for There's, character. like, a real lack in the script of explaining who she is. She is an orphan. That's who she is, and she wants parents. That's so, it's like, but like, yeah, there's an orphan, she wants parents, isn't it sad? Why don't we talk more about this gambling thing? Because it's really cool.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you want parents? Oh, I'm gonna go play craps. Like, (laughs) like, oh, check out these showgirls. I got showgirls. Uh, uh, The other place doesn't. Oh, but what about my parents? Nope, gonna play this game. (sighs)
2: So, yeah, anyway. Lessons I learned that this is a terrible movie. (laughs) Yeah,
3: definitely a lesson is. uh, Well, I think
1: you're I think you're jumping ahead to the lightning, so why don't we go there now?
2: Yeah. So how does this hold up?
3: (laughs) Uh, Nope, (laughs) not very well. Uh, Animation. Oh my god! Like man, there was some like just like the way when like faces would turn, just like the way like it it didn't look right. Like there was something about it. It just like it looked drunk. The movie looks drunk to me, (laughs) (laughs) and in terms of we we talking about like content too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's when they mentioned Siam. I was like, this is dead. This movie is this movie has passed. (laughs) It it's there's a lot of things. It's just the whole thing about like this abuse of this orphan being used to con. Just no. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't know much better. I I I loved the pizza. The food I think holds up. I think there's some animation, like I think the clouds moving and stuff. I was like, all right, they at least got some life in the backgrounds, but that's really it.
1: I don't think it holds up very well. Certainly the, the the story and the plot and all that, but I did like the animation on the whole. I like the way Don Bluth animation, his sort of house style. I like the way it looks. Yeah, uh, there's a certain character to it that that I enjoy. Uh, even if this was not as good as some of his others, uh,
3: yeah, because I was going to say it's a slot, it's like a slot, it's a sloppier Don Don Bluth, I think.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, but I mean, I think it didn't have the budget that the other ones had. But of all the sort of of all, yeah. the
1: sort of of all the sort of non Disney animation, the Don Bluth stuff really sticks out as well done and, and having a character of its own.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I didn't love it as much as I thought I might, but there were parts of it that were really good there were part there were parts that were charmingly animated and where it really shined and I think part of it was like when they did the trench coat scene that right. was really well animated yeah. but there were also lots of parts where you talked about parts where it seemed like there was life in the background there were also lots of parts where the backgrounds were very static, and the only things animated were like specific characters yeah, and that also showed a lot um like there was one part where um Charlie and itchy are like under a truck and that's just like one background thing, and Charlie and Itchy are are animated, and it's really, really clear that that's what's going on, and it just kind of seems that much more two dimensional.
3: Yeah, they, Because of it. They really put their budget into that into that horse race scene. And then, like, everything else, like, well, that's secondary. This scene is pivotal.
2: There's also some really weird transitions. Uh, oh, like they the... They did a lot of, like, spiral wipes with... And the, the circle. Screen. Like, it was yeah. very PowerPoint
3: transitions. Yeah. It's yes.
1: like, okay, George Lucas, we get it. You like a wipe.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I noticed that. And they really, like... Like, you know when you, like, made a PowerPoint presentation when you, like, first discovered PowerPoint as, like, yeah. whatever age you were at? Like, I remember it was, like, middle school for me. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm going to do all these different animations for each transition. <laughs> like, at one point, yeah, the spiral one, And it, I don't think it ever came back. Uh, maybe once or
2: twice, but it was just, it was peppered in. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely, it was a thing that I felt like while watching it, that there were commercial breakpoints built in, and I was like, this was a feature film for the theater though, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Gotta yeah. get that sweet syndication money.
3: <laughs> yeah, and like at one point when the like Charlie like looked at the screen. I don't it was when he like tasted something bad, Oh, and he like kissed her and he was like, ugh, and then it like went black. And I was like, that was a very like you said TV yeah. show kind of thing, and that's a whole nother thing when like she's like, kiss me, and he would just like lick her and he'd be
2: like, ugh. Like I kissed you, affection. Um, so no, I don't think the movie held up. What about you, Jeffrey? Nah. Nah. Yeah, you said no, yeah,
3: I think that. I think we're all in general consensus that wow, hmm. this movie uh, remains in nineteen eighty eight
1: scarier then or scarier now so did you find it scary when you were a kid do you find it scary now
3: scarier now as a kid i thought it was hilarious and fun like i like even the demons for me like the little devil demons i loved the little dog demons like biting at him like again weird child not like anyone else but now like me watching it knowing the truth and being woke in a way in a sense oh man just the whole thing about like just the whole thing about Anne Marie and just like knowing the behind the scenes aspect of it and about the double murder suicide of the the girl that played it uh yeah it's it's you know it it's really dark but you know that's what we get for growing up and this movie really is like here's adults themes but we're going to make them colorful Julie? yeah
2: i don't i don't know that i was scared of it. i don't remember being scared of this And I'm assuming I did see it because I knew enough about it that wasn't something that I would have imagined would be in a commercial. Like I remembered Anne-Marie's name, for instance. Mm. Uh, And I don't feel like that's a thing that that was going to be in the commercials. But it's terrible and dark and horrible and I'm very disturbed by all of the things in it now. (laughs) So I definitely say it's scarier now. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go with then. Dog and Satan. Freaky.
2: Yeah, I don't was, think yeah, Doggy Satan scared me. Hmm. Like, I feel like I'd be much more scared of something like Chernobyl from Fantasia than I was of Doggy I was never Satan. Scared of oh really? Yeah. I think um, I was very scared of it. I was
3: scared of the headless horseman from oh, the yeah, Ichabod. And that crane. was terrifying. Oh, yeah. Although not not Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, like I was old enough to be in like, this is dope. But like As a kid, I remember that being, like, the orange eyes. Anything with, like, glowing eyes. I mean, Chernabog. What was it? Chernabog. Chernabog.
2: Chernabog. I can never say his name. Uh, He never scared me because I was like, Disney! Yeah, I feel like Fantasia scared me. I saw it when I was very, very young, but I feel like Fantasia scared me. I feel like I was scared of the the Sorcerer's Apprentice part where all the brooms are multiplying. That is freaky. Mm. So, like, I, I feel like there are other things that I remember being scared of. I was not necessarily always scared of, of evil things, though. Like, I really liked Sleeping Beauty, and I really enjoyed uh, Maleficent in all of her scary forms. So yeah. I feel like Doggy Satan wouldn't have bothered me at all, especially since you know from the title that all dogs go to heaven, and he's going to yeah, go to heaven. You,
1: well, do you really know that from the title? Yeah, beginning? you know. Well, I mean, he's, you do, but he's I gonna think to come. He's
2: going to go back to heaven, and that's pretty heavily te- telegraphed, and I think even as a kid. I was like, "Yeah, there's no real danger here. He's going back to heaven. You
3: know, you, you when you see a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven, if you're a parent, like, I don't know, what my aunt my mom, they're like, yeah, sure, popping in. I, I don't know. I, I kind of want, I'm curious to know their thoughts on it. And Angel like,
1: dogs? Of course. Yeah, that's <laughs>
3: fine. <Was it> like, <laughs> two,
1: thing, two things that are, could not be more kid-friendly, yeah. angels and dogs. Exactly. This is a, yeah. can't lose.
3: I mean, I, and I, so I, I was born in 1988, so, and actually... Uh, I know that's uh, crazy. I'm a baby, I guess, to some people. But um, I watched the movie in the early 90s, like, when I was really little. Like, yeah. that's where I would really, like, until, like, you know, like, mid-elementary school. I don't really remember watching it past that. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think this is the first time I saw the movie since I was, like, eight or nine.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like uh, it's definitely scary for me now.
1: Most painfully dated moment.
3: <laughs> all of the film. Um, <laughs> no, but I definitely think the crocodile scene really uh, just that doesn't belong at any time. And also just the song when he, like, they make the racial jokes. Yeah, just I guess I feel like a movie, like there's so many smart ways to talk to children about mortality these days, and like, you know, there's actually a movie coming out. Pixar's doing a movie about death. We right. called like soul, I think I don't remember what it's called, but like I feel like there's a lot of clever ways that like I love. I think, I think animation in children's television right now is at like a really solid like new golden age just because of the the way they're talking about complex issues with issues with children in such a great way that's not like talking down to them, but talking with them, having a dialogue. I feel like this movie is very much like. Does, there's no like age. Like, this is not for any age. Like, this isn't for children. This isn't for adults. This is just like talking to people, being like, this is death. <laughs> this is what happens. Like, this is abusing orphans. Like, it literally, like, I feel like something about Don Bluth that I really liked is that he wasn't as little kiddish <laughs> with a lot of his themes. And I think that's something as a kid, I'm actually kind of glad I liked this because it kind of. You know, what? I still love Disney and the whimsy and all that, but like I was like, it kind of helped me understand being like, you know, the world's not all good. <laughs> you know, keep, don't keep your head in the clouds there, kiddo. Like, get your feet on the ground, and, you know, Don Bluth's going to tell
1: if you. If you're helping that dog win some races, make sure that dog is looking for some parents for you.
3: Yeah, right? Don't make, be
1: satisfied with a pretty dress.
2: Yeah. yeah don't, don't let him con you completely, no.
1: What about for you, Julia?
2: I feel like this is a really hard one, but I'm probably going to go with the point where in order to show that he's doing good, he brings pizza over to his children. Oh, my God. I feel like that's a very 1980s kind of a thing to do. Also, sorry to to interrupt, but...
3: Did you notice that all the dogs were all different breeds? Yeah. She's been with more... Those aren't all as kids. One of them was
1: blue and one of them was green.
3: No, but they were different. Like, one of them kind of had a Cocker Spaniel look to her, like, when she was sitting up with Anne-Marie and when she was singing her song song by the
2: 16-year-old. Yeah, like, she's a collie and he's a German Shepherd. They appear to be purebred for some reason. And those dog children are like anything good. There's a bulldog at one point.
3: I was like, who's she with before?
2: Um, So... Yeah, but I think like just the idea that he's gonna come with a stack of pizza boxes, did they even have that in nineteen thirty nine I was thinking the good old nineteen thirty nine classic food
3: was pizza pizza in a in a paper box. Right. Surprised it didn't say pizza on it. And like I was like pizza was like just invented like a couple like like couple score like a score ago, I think even like pizza was invented. So well not invented but like really took hold in the working class American uh, landscape. But
2: I'm, I'm really now going to like look up the history of pizza delivery. I remember watching something on like travel channel at one point. But I feel like this was at the time when you had like a, a lot of different pizza. Like there was a, Program in school where if you got like straight A's on certain things, you would earn pizzas. And there, Domino's was just big with its first coming out with a thirty minutes or or it's free. I remember that there was
1: there was a teenage mutant ninja
2: turtles. Teenage mutant ninja turtles was in. There was like also a a pizza commercial thing that was like four bucks, four bucks, four bucks, four bucks. Like you could order pizzas and they would always be four bucks from possibly Pizza Hut or something. And then like. The, the commercial that I'm specifically remembering, there's like one point when a guy calls the pizza delivery line and he's like uh, ordering different kinds of pizza. And then he's like, go out with me and then another pizza. And she's like, four bucks, four bucks, four bucks, not for a million bucks, four bucks.
1: Oh, I remember that. Comm- we'll have to watch. That <laughs> we'll see if we can find it. it. The thing that 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 struck me is kind of dated. So there's a part near the end where itchy who does not look anything like a Wookiee, by the way. Call back to uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh-huh. Um, Itchy is looking to get help, is trying to get help for for Charlie and Anne Marie, and he he asks some dogs for an address, and they they set up that bark line. It's like yep. I saw this done better in 101 Dalmatians.
3: Yes, that was such like a. I feel like that was like a, that if anything a blatant fuck you to Disney. Like that like that when he saw the Mickey Mouse, he like Disney psych. This is Don Bluth bitch. Like like literally just like. That yeah, it could be like a "fuck you" maybe to Disney. It, it, it felt like a, a sort
1: of like a, a, an attempt to copy a, a classic, d- classic Disney in a way that I don't feel like I don't feel like a studio would necessarily do. Yeah, that. I feel like they'd be a little more confident of standing on their own. Mm-hmm.
2: So pizza boxes. It says that the history of the pizza box began in Naples during the 1800s when bakers put pizzas in the metal containers called stufas. Stufas. They were round and vented tin or copper containers with shelves that held pizza apart from one another. Since the 1940s, you could probably take it out from a restaurant on a round plate with a cover. It sounds like Domino's developed a modern corrugated cardboard pizza box, which is what we see in this movie, in the 1960s. And that they didn't uh, patent it. The patent design for pizza boxes date to at least 1968. So a full like 20 years after the scene in which he comes in with a bunch of boxes of pizza. Clearly the biggest sin of this movie.
3: There's actually another big anachronism too, and I didn't write it down. It was towards the end. Someone makes like a side joke about a certain celebrity, a person. And I'm like, that's so dated. Like that didn't exist yet. And I forget what it was it was something that itchy said i think ah oh, it's killing me but it's going to come to me after like <laughs> was I, it
1: about economics no it was
3: <laughs> definitely something like from like the 1960s or something yeah i don't remember what he what he said it was something that itchy said towards the end but it was another super anachronistic thing he like referenced i don't know if it was like Elvis, or something, he referenced like some sort of pop culture figure, Mm -hmm. but that existed like the 1960s and 70s. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on a second. This movie about talking dogs is no longer
2: plausible.
3: Yeah, I forget (laughs) it. I'm taken out of the world of the story. The narrative is dead.
2: (laughs) And Julia, do you want to do the honors? All right. Our last and most important question Mm -hmm. Would you show this to a child? Um, if I wanted
3: that child to grow up like me, so no, (laughs) uh, I would, I would, I'm going to show, I would show this to my, like, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews when they're like older and they have like a sense of humor and like a sense of irony. Then I would show this to them being guys being like, this is what I watched as a kid. This is what like auntie Linda. And this is what me and your mom would watch. And, and we would watch it and just like. Ah uh, man, that um, now my, I might show it to them when they're adults, but to to a child and being someone who works as a teacher in K to eight school, no <laughs> absolutely not.
1: I agree. I mean i, I, I and I think I'm, I'm appreciating this as we talk about this movie. I, I think there's a place for 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 the dark and the gritty and the and the unpleasant in children's entertainment, and there there has to be. But I don't know that this yeah. <laughs> is the way to do it. If
3: you got animated films out, like like Inside Out and like you know stuff that Pixar has, and like i would say actually a lot of stuff on cartoon I today, like I would say there's better, there's definitely better stuff than uh, Dogs Go to Heaven, or what I like to call Requiem for a Dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I would not rush out to show this one to a child. Um, I think that i 'm curious to see an American tale again because I remember really liking that one. I love it, and I feel tale. like that does have a lot of darkness in it, but it 's also super dark but I feel like immigration I guys guess, perhaps it 's a better movie um it, it is i i don 't know because i haven 't seen it since I was a child, but like I feel like maybe it 's a better movie
3: you got a little uh, you got a little Eastern European mice. Just looking
2: to get the American dream. It certainly got better Because they're facing
1: genocide back in the old country. Right. Mm. Well,
2: I mean, that's important to know about. Yeah. There are no cats in America. The American dream is a lie. Yeah. Like, it teaches you so many things that I still remember, even though I haven't seen it since I was a kid.
1: I forgot about that. Like, the importance of having a plan.
2: (laughs) Yes. Nice. Uh, So, yeah, I would not show this to a child. Um, I I feel like if... If a child that I knew happened to see it, I wouldn't be super distressed because I feel like a lot of it would go over their head, and I feel like it probably wouldn't necessarily scare them. But I would not want them to see it, and I wouldn't take them to see it.
1: So now, now, if one of you, if you're never, you Auntie Julia, let's go to the racetrack. I want to gamble.
2: I mean, I'm gonna assume he's learned that from someone else anyway. <laughs> I feel like I feel like maybe that will be like some. Kid at school that's setting up a bookie thing in the cafeteria has already taught him. Yeah. Maybe he's want- just already gone to Revia.
1: Well, maybe you nice. should show them this movie. You, and you don't want you don't want kids learning about gambling on animals in the street. You want <laughs> them to learn about that in a in a safe environment. Yeah. See, I'm
3: from Saugus, so again, I was like, oh, this movie makes so much sense why you watch this as a child. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like Revere go. was like right Lynn, were my backyard yeah. basically. If you don't so teach your kids
1: about vig. Someone else is going
3: to. <laughs> oh. I mean, we have on- this encore now, so I feel yeah. like gambling is really be like kids are like casino, like yeah. They, so maybe this movie like. Maybe if you want to tell them, be like, this is a casino, kids. Like, if you really want to steer them away, it's full of dogs. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thank you for joining <laughs> thank us. Thank you and, for having me. Uh... Yeah. So, tell us where to find She Story.
3: Uh, she Story, we perform at Improv Boston. This, I believe the second Saturday of every month uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, you can find more. Our Instagram is the She Story Show, no spaces. Uh, really a lot of fun and you can learn some more anachronistic history uh, and maybe uh, we could talk more about All Dogs Go to Heaven and maybe All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 by the way
1: there's a sequel and a TV series
3: and a Wait,
2: Christmas no way there's a Christmas special and All Dogs Christmas and Dom DeLuise I think was in all of them yeah Burt <sighs> Reynolds was only in this one but oh I, I, and Anne-Marie I, never comes back as a character cause you know
1: cause that would be messed up
2: that would be the sequel apparently takes place in San Francisco decades after the first one. Sweet. So that makes sense. Canon. Oh, great. Okay. So that's going to be it for us. <laughs> all right. Bye, y'all. This Is Why We're Like This is brought to you by Julia Rios and Jeffrey Pelton. Our music is by Mon Plaisir. Find them at chezmonplaisir.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to our newsletter at thisiswhywerelikethis.substack.com. And get this podcast and the show notes delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where we're at thisiswhy underscore pod. And if you want to support us financially and make this show possible, consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash like this. All one word, no apostrophe. And finally, if you have questions or comments for us, we're happy to hear from you all about the movies and TV shows that scarred you as a child at this at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.